are listening to Shining Star Community Church English Ministry Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. Freedom is good, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Ask any parent. A child's freedom is often the enemy of the child's well-being, isn't it? Right? Go ahead, child. Do whatever you want. Okay, I'm going to walk across the street. You got to be careful. Or how about for those who just got out of a relationship? I remember I was there for one of my good friends. He was in a volatile relationship with his girlfriend at the time. And I don't know why he was with her um, at the time either. But when he broke up, I remember he, he had like a little party. Uh, we're all, we're all like pastors. So it wasn't party. It was more like, hey, eat with me at Applebee's. Um, right? So we did that. And he was just celebrating. He was just having a great time. He was like, yes, I'm free, free at last, right? Reciting Martin Luther King Jr.'s, I'm free, free at last. And, but here's the thing. Like, newfound freedom can set you up for a tragic rebound. It can. And that's what happened to him. And we're like, Why? You just got out of one and then it went to another. Or how about for those who've been released from prison, the newfound freedom can and often has led to self-destruction. You see, freedom isn't always as freeing and good as we would hope it to be. It, was, it can be dangerous. And there's a reason why. We have something called human nature. And while we may throw that around, that term innocently, our human nature is actually quite bad. Turn to your neighbor and say, your nature is bad. I just saw a bunch of husbands and wives saying that with conviction. You're like, your nature is bad. It's awful. Like, repent. It's not just bad, people. It's sinful. No, I'm not telling you to say that. And we have a hard time admitting how corrupt our nature is. In fact, Paul, again, he labels our corrupt nature as flesh. And actually, if you kind of go into the, the next few verses, verses 19, 21, he talks about what that flesh is. He says, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, he says. This is what sinful nature is. This is what having a sinful nature, having a sinful flesh produces. Now, think of the topic of freedom that we've been discussing. We have freedom. Freedom from the law. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from all these things. Now, that freedom that we've been discussing, combine that with our sinful nature. Corrupt nature plus our corrupt or current view of freedom, and it translates to freedom is the right to do whatever you please. Doesn't it? I have freedom, and then mixed with my sinful nature, you add that together and you get a very... I guess, bad product, if you want to call it that. And what happens when we go down that path? I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have experienced and seen how destructive that has been when you allow your nature, your sinful flesh to lead yourself. So this book of Galatians, it tells us Christians that Christ has set us free. But the problem is this. We tend to define that freedom the same way the world does. In other words, I'm free from the Old Testament law, therefore I can do what I want because I'm not under any rule. 
Have you heard that argument before? We're not living under the Old Testament rules anymore, so I can go ahead and, and just follow and do whatever I want to. Or we can also say, well, I live under the New Testament, and that means I'm free from condemnation. Therefore, it doesn't matter what I do because I am, I am already forgiven. So our freedom in Christ easily becomes an opportunity to indulge in every fleshly desire. Perhaps we feel free to entertain our desire for sexual immorality. Maybe we won't have an affair, but we'll just look at pornography. Perhaps we'll feel free to indulge our selfish passions and we become angry, uh, envious, and vengeful. We might not beat someone up. We may not murder someone, but guess what? We nurture a heart of bitterness, don't we? Don't we do that? Or perhaps we feel free to embrace our passion for pleasure. So we party. But we always say, oh, I'm partying with my Christians, brothers and sisters. No biggie. And we say, well, I'm a recreational social drinker. You know, I won't get drunk, but I'll, I'll get buzzed. We do that. We justify. We, we cross the line. We go close to the line or whatever you want to call it all the time. If we recall a few weeks ago, the word opportunity found in verse 13 can be replaced with the word indulge or indulgence. That indulgence of sin becomes an opportunity for greater spiritual attack on us. Do you know that? In James chapter 1, we're given a clear example of how sin works. This is how James describes it. He says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then that desire, right, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. In other words, it's like fishing. Let's say you're standing in a stream and you see a huge trout swimming around you. You put the fly right in front of him and you watch as he swims by and you wait. He sees it, but he swims by, but he sees it. So you wait and you patiently hang in there. And soon he's just swimming by, swimming by, seeing the bait and he just can't stand it. So he bites. And when he, when he does, he struggles to free himself, but he gets caught. You see, as long as he kept swimming, he would be free. But inside him, there was an intense desire to have what he just saw. Now, brothers and sisters, why do we pretend like we're any different? That we're somehow immune and that we're invincible in our Christian walk? And why do we put ourselves in those positions why do we put ourselves in those places? Why do we have to look? Why can't we just walk on by? Why? And I'll tell you why. Because evil is not just out there in the world. Evil is right inside of me. You know that? Evil is right inside of me. There's a funny story of a guy. He was stranded in an island. They came to rescue him finally. And they came look, and they saw, and he was showing them around the island. He said, hey, this is my hut that I live. And he goes, and so this, the rescuer said, what about that one? He goes, oh, that's my church. And he's like, oh, okay, what about that? He goes, that's the other church I used to go to. Wherever you go, it's, we're the ones that bring corruption. It's us. And the Bible calls that evil desire lust. It's an intense inner craving for things God calls sin. You see, the problem for the fish was not 
the bait. It was the hunger inside him for the bait. But when he indulges in that hunger, his freedom is gone. He is captured. He is destroyed. And that's exactly what Jesus described the threat. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So here's the obvious point, okay? Here's, here's the application now. The more of something you do or are exposed to, the more of it you'll want and the more of it you'll become. Isn't that true? I remember my brother, when he went to, uh, he studied abroad during his undergraduate years, he studied abroad in Florence, Italy. And when Danny, he's born and raised here in the East Coast, he he looked and dressed the way an East Coast Korean American would dress, whatever you want to call it, right? Well, after about a year, he comes back. His hair is all slicked. He's wearing Adidas, whatever, jogging shorts, and he's all into Premier Championship League soccer. And he's going around saying, he's, saying, he's, like, he's like, buongiorno. I'm like, Danny, you just stop. <laughs> he's like, man, I'm, I'm an Italian. I'm like, stop, man. And he's, he was just all into it. And he goes, and we, we order pizza. He's like, you call this pizza? I was like, come on, man. When you're just in it and you're exposed to it, that's what you become. It's obvious, isn't it? I mean, that's why, what was it? Benjamin Franklin said this, he who lieth with dogs standeth upeth with fleas. <laughs> Whoever you're with, your company corrupts. Right? That's why as parents, we always avoid, and we say to our children, make sure you hang out with good people. Good people, whatever that means. Ones that are studious, ones that are, you know, whatever you want to call it. We, we say that. But brothers and sisters, that's why we're called to fill our minds and our hearts with more of God. The things of God. We're called to fill our minds and our lives and our hearts and our spirits with community, with the word of God, with prayer. The more you expose yourself to the things of God, the more you'll want more of him. Because you taste it and you've seen that he's good. And you want more of him. And the less you'll want the things of the flesh. But sadly, that's not how it is. We open our hearts, we open our lives to the things of the world instead. We taste and see the things of, of lust, of envy, of anger, what, of what we can accomplish through our own selfish ambition. Whatever you want to call it, we expose ourselves to things like that. And so what happens when we become slaves to sin? Soon we'll realize it's too late. And we become addicts, perverts, criminals, bitter, self-righteous hypocrites to the point where we begin to even uh, question our identity where we begin to question our worth, our salvation. Worst of all, we begin to question the faithfulness of God. We start saying, God, are you really who you say you are? You know, there was a pastor from a mega church up in the north Midwest area. And he had a, he had a big moral failure uh, several years back, and they, 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 he resigned. And he was caught with a male prostitute. He's a senior pastor, a male senior pastor, married, has kids, grandkids too. And what was his, what was, how did he describe his, his spiral? It all started, he said, with just simple lust. And it gave way, that craving gave way to bigger and worse things to the point where he started practicing homosexuality, to the point where he was adulterous, to the point where he was addicted to pornography and doing all those things. You see, it never starts as big. Never starts off big. 
is slowly giving the enemy an in, a little more inch in your life, a little bit more space in your life, and soon he takes him out, soon he's taking full residence in your heart. Guard yourself, people. And how do you guard yourself? Is it by completely removing yourself from civilization and living like a monk in some monastery? How do you guard yourself? You guard yourself by receiving and pursuing things of God more than things of the world. That's it. What is the one thing that you read continually? BuzzFeed, Facebook, CNN, books, whatever you want to call it, or is it scripture? That will determine where your compass is. That will determine what your truth is. Who do you communicate more to? Just friends getting some nice little advice about this or that, or do you communicate your prayer with God the most? What do you do? So no, in a world that says do whatever pleases you, you can't just do that. You can't just do what you want. You can't say, I'll be fine. I can, I can live my life. You can't trust your heart. You can't trust, why? Because you can't trust that you can stop. You can't trust yourself that you won't venture there. You know, a lot of people will say, trust your heart. I've heard Oprah say that so many times. You've probably heard me say a lot of illustrations about Oprah's because I've actually seen several of her shows. <laughs> By the way, she's an amazing woman. Like, I want to be there for one of those giveaway things, right? <laughs> but she says that. She says, trust your heart. No, don't trust your heart. Jeremiah says, don't trust your heart because your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Can you believe that? The heart, the thing that we celebrate and that we put on our cars for Mother's Day, that thing is deceitful above all things. <laughs> kind of changes how you view it, right? It, it's desperately wicked. Why? Because your heart is flesh. Even the good things you want to do are polluted. All our passions are polluted. Our desires become contradictory. Our desires become tainted rather than pure. Our desires become self-serving and our minds will try to justify and argue against it. We'll say, it's just a little bit of fun. It's not that big a deal. I, won't, I can stop whenever I want to. I'll just try it once and be done with it. But it never goes that way. It never goes that way. Romans 6 says, when you offer yourself to obey some sinful desire, you become a slave to it. It becomes your master and it begins to reign as Lord of your life. How scary is that? That someone, something besides Jesus can become Lord of your life. The Lord of your life. So I ask you, are you enslaved right now? Are you miserable because it's leading you to go deeper and deeper into the den of guilt and shame and painful, painful consequences? This is what God says. This is Jesus saying. He says, come to me. You must go before God and you must desperately. Think about this. Everyone wants some A to Z or one steps one, two, three of how to get rid of the sin in our lives, of how to fix this habit of our lives. It's not that. There is no one, two, three step. There's one step. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Repent. That's it. And trust and have faith that he is able to overcome and he has overcome. And he will equip you and empower you to overcome. Go before God and humbly ask your Savior to set you free. 
Set me free from this bondage of sin. Set me free from this, this, from this horrible attitude, horrible habit, horrible perspective, whatever you want to call it. Only Christ can free you. And my next point is this. Christ has set you free so that you can love and serve. You know, when, when you ask a Christian, um, what does it mean to be a Christian? Many people might be tempted to say what we're not. Well, I don't drink. I don't gamble. I don't sleep around. And in the same way, we don't want to define our freedom in Christ simply as not indulging in our fleshly passions, right? We don't want to say, hey, I'm free in Christ because I don't do this and I don't do that. You get what I'm saying? That's what morally upright believers or whatever are concerned about. But we need to know that freedom in Christ is more than a list of thou shall nots. I like what one commentary said. He said this, freedom from restraint, if it is to be of any use, must be matched by a sense of freedom, get this, for a particular purpose. In other words, you and I are free in Christ to love one another. What's your purpose of freedom? It is to love one another. What is the great freedom that God has given you in Christ? It is to love one another. It is to serve one another. That's the purpose of your freedom, people. It's not to just contain everything. It's to genuinely love and serve one another. Turn to your neighbor and say this, I'm free to love you. Now that sounds weird. Sounds weird. There are many things in the Christian world that may seem paradoxical. In verse 13, we're told to serve one another in love. Serve means to be a slave. You know that? So this verse, get this, okay? This is kind of weird. This verse is telling us, hey, you're free to be slaves to others in love. You're free to be a slave. What? But that's what Jesus taught all the time. Whoever will be great among you must be your servant. Whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Then Romans 6 we read, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. Free. You've been set free to be a slave of God. 1 Corinthians 7 says, He who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freeman. Similarly, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. I am proud to be a slave of Christ. And then again in 1 Peter 2, it says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. In other words, that's what he's saying. Don't indulge, right? He says, but live as servants of God. Live as slaves of God. The last is first, the first is last. This is the paradox of the Christian discipleship because we're in a culture where if you want to be first, you must be first. You must beat everyone else. But the kingdom culture is one where if you want to be first, if you want to be honored, you must put others before you. You must be the one to give up. You must be the one to sacrifice. You must be the one to elevate other people. You see, you can use your freedom to indulge your passions and immediately, physically and spiritually become slaves to sin that will, which will destroy you. Or you can use your freedom to love people and to serve people. 
You can use your freedom to be a slave for Christ. And somehow, again, this is the paradox here, but when you become a slave for Christ and when you serve his kingdom and his kingdom purposes, then at that point, you will know what true freedom is. You will know what true freedom is. You know, one thing I love uh, when, I, when I'm able to share ministry talk with, with uh, Senior Pastor Lynn, my father, before he entered ministry, which was 15, 16 years ago, almost 17 years ago, he was an accountant. He was an accountant in Falls Church City, right? Doesn't he look like an accountant? Anyways, right? He was an accountant, and he pretty much took care of almost all the, Korean, the entire Korean population in the DMV area, right? I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I did. I didn't complain. It was fine. It was good for me. I ate what I wanted to eat. If I need money, I say, hey, pop, give me some money. He's like, sure, kid. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know why. I get money. I do whatever I want to do. It was fine. It was easy. We wanted to go on vacation. We went on vacation. We had freedom. He played golf whenever he wanted to play golf. I go and I mess up the game and do all that stuff, right? We do all these things. We had complete freedom to do it. And now, what's his schedule? His schedule is in the morning. He, 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 he preaches 10 times a day. So, you know, forgive me if I start complaining about my two sermons. He preaches 10 times a day. He's going out visiting people. He's doing all this stuff. But you know what? Whenever I have the conversation with him, he always says this, I feel great. I go, why? And he goes, I have so much more joy right now in my life than I did before. To be a slave of Christ is when you truly experience freedom in life. Freedom in life. When you love and you serve one another is when you truly understand what the freedom that God has given you, the purpose of that. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. If you lose it for my sake, you will find it. It's just so... Not only that, we're called to love and serve because Why? That's what Jesus did. Turn to your neighbor and say, what would Jesus do? You remember that bracelet? <laughs> remember DC Talk, anyone? No? Christ modeled it. Jesus knew absolute freedom because... As we know in Philippians, he was in very nature God. He was equal with the Father. And, but in his love, he humbled himself and he took the form of a slave, of a servant, of his creation. And as a servant driven by love, he lived in obedience all the way to death on the cross. The one who is free of all free and he is became a slave. And here's the thing, Jesus, he doesn't just sit in the stands and tells us to go live out this complicated paradox of freedom and slavery by ourselves. Instead, he says, no, no, just follow me. Do what I do. Do what you have seen me do. Brothers and sisters, this journey is not easy. 
Because our lives, to the day that we breathe our last, will be filled with difficult people, with difficult situations, difficult circumstances. We will be trying to overcome every possible uh, issue in our lives, relationship issues, finance issues, career issues, whatever you want to call it. We have a hard time with patience. We have a hard time being gentle. We have a hard time with self-control. We have a hard time bearing with one another's burdens. But we're called to think outside of ourselves and to look upon the life of Christ Jesus. Look upon what he's done, what he's accomplished, because the one who has overcome all things resides in you. 1 John 4.4 says this, Dear children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, our Jesus will help us overcome our sinful flesh. Do you believe that? He will produce in us good fruits of Christ-likeness. Do you believe that? And he will guide our every step. Do you believe that? It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Go to him. Go to him every day, every night. Go to him. There's nothing else. There's no one else. You cannot find it anywhere else. Barnes & Noble, no self-help book, no amazing spiritual, whatever you want, guru. He can give you the tips, advice to lead a, live a better life. None of that. No, it's only Jesus. That's where faith comes in. Do you trust that he can do what he's promised to do? If you do, and if you come to him in humility and in repentance, you, and he guarantees it, and so therefore I guarantee it, you will be free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your message. God, it's, it's convicted me. It has led me to many moments in repentance, Lord, for my failings, for my shortcomings. But Lord, I thank you that your grace draws me. I thank you, Lord, that your love is so big. God, I thank you that your arms are stretched wide open for me. Lord, I can come to you because you have invited me to you. You have brought me to you. And in that invitation, Lord, you also offer healing. You offer forgiveness. You offer the opportunity to become new again and again and again. Lord, whatever it is that we're dealing with in our lives, help us understand, God, that we are not uh, given permission to indulge in these things just because Christ has already died from no Lord You have given us the freedom not to indulge, but to love. You have given us the freedom to serve. You have given us the freedom to pour into the lives of people. That freedom, Lord, is not a license. That freedom is a purpose. And we thank you for that. Brothers and sisters, I want to give you guys just a couple minutes, okay, to pray your prayer. Meditate on what you've just heard. Repent before him. And give it to God.
And trust that he will forgive you. Trust that he will lead you and that he will free you from this bondage that you, that's been in your life for a, I don't know how long. Let's pray.